On today's episode, we're going to be talking all about the Mr. FPGA project, how it's used to simulate retro computers and consoles. And at the end of our show, we're also going to talk about the recent acquisition of Atari Age by the Atari Corporation. So stick around for that one. But for now, I'm John. And I'm Dave. Let's get into it. The 8-Bit Files with Dave and John. All right, Dave. So the Mr. FPGA project has been around for a little while, and this is something that you have some very personal experience with. And let's start off by telling the listeners what exactly this project is and maybe what an FPGA is. That's a very good question. So the Mr. Project is a, I guess it's really in reality, it's a software project that uh, uses a, a FPGA technology or F, the concept of FPGA to uh, effectively, in this case, the project is used to create an environment where you can simulate, not emulate, because I, although you can give me a demerit every time I say emulate, because <laughs> folks that are familiar with with the Mr. Project and FPGA are, you know, going to remind us that it's about simulate. Uh, but the the Mr. Project will allow us to simulate many different uh, computing, gaming systems, gaming consoles, uh, and uh, and computers, uh, particularly eight bit computers, but also getting into the six some sixteen bit computers and eight and sixteen bit gaming consoles. And tacked onto that, we can also simulate many uh arcade games if you will there are many arcade game uh what are called cores that are that that function on the system so it's really a fantastic way overall to be able to experience retro computing and retro gaming that's what the project will allow us to do so so just going back to sort of the arcade machines um and and it leads into sort of the early days of computing as well those older arcade machines weren't a standard mm -hmm. type of circuit board. They were basically just That's a giant right. motherboard with yeah. some very specific chips on it that did things. And so what the Mr. Thing, Mr. Thing, the Mr. Project <laughs> does is it simulates those discrete chips and chipsets exactly. on those boards. Whereas emulation basically runs a version of that in software. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And it's funny because, you know, we'll talk about the, the, uh, the, the console cores, like the say Nintendo, NES, Super NES, Genesis slash Mega Drive and all that. But it seems to me like the, the, the arcade game cores say outrun, which is a recently developed core for, for the, for the, for the Mr. It, mm -hmm. it it has very like you say very specific requirements like it's almost like the amount of work that goes into uh a commodore 64 core for the mister the same amount of work needs to go into an individual arcade game in some cases yeah so yeah because of some of those specific need i mean obviously not knowing anything about the, the specific details i know it's been considered a technical accomplishment to be able to simulate a lot of those arcade games as well so so let's so that's that's i know because you're you've you've also been in addition to being the uh, atari guy you've also always been the, the the main guy or the arcade emulation guy i mean your main uh expertise goes back like 25 years now even even your retro i think i probably said this before but your retro experience is now retro in and of itself because you've been doing it for so for so long right yeah the so the, the the thing that's really interesting to me about this though is because i have uh, a number of in the past i used to have a dining room that was just an arcade uh basically mm -hmm. a bunch of arcade machines some of them were actual machines some of them were basically just tvs with consoles inside yep. uh or uh, in, inside, or or a MAME computer inside uh, an arcade cons or arcade uh, box, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I had kind of like the whole range of things because uh, there was times I just loved some of the the unique takes on some of these arcade machines that the Dreamcast offered. So I would just plug a Dreamcast into a TV and put that inside an arcade machine box, 
presto, I have a Dreamcast arcade machine. Mm-hmm. And and it was glorious. Um, but, uh, but what's really interesting to me is because I had a couple of arcade machines that use something called the JAMA standard. And mm-hmm. it's basically, uh, it's just sort of like a universal connector. So you just need to have an arcade machine that's JAMA capable. And then if you have a JAMA board, they're like giant video game cartridges yes. without a nice box around them. They're just basically motherboards with sometimes really complex wiring and stuff like that. Sometimes they have daughter boards that have other things like special sound chips or whatever. And um, But the nice thing about it is you can use a universal sort of control s- system uh, to connect them. And one of the challenges with that kind of a system is that there is some games that were never made in the JAMA standard. So they, cause they have some kind of unique thing or they're really old. And um, some of them have very specific requirements as to how they have to be powered on, um, how they have to be managed because they have um, onboard real-time clocks to met, uh, to sort of maintain state and keep track mm-hmm. of those high scores and those types of things. And some of them even have what's called a suicide battery, where if the battery dies, the board is effectively dead and, right. and, and useless. People have since figured out ways around that and to bring them back to life and soldering jumpers around the suicide battery and all that kind of stuff. But what's interesting to me about this FPGA technology and the Mr. in particular is that it actually allows you or the the core, I guess, engineers to mm-hmm. make very specific uh, simulations of these boards that previously they were kind of emulated, but they weren't emulated perfectly, especially in, you know, um, the, 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 any type of emulator that you would just install on your computer or a Raspberry Pi or something like that. It just didn't have all of the information that it needed to do it properly. So sometimes it would be too slow or too fast or just something would be off about it, especially if you played the original in the arcade a lot mm-hmm. or, or or you own the the console or the or the or the computer. It, it, something would be off and it's in emulation you can always tell how good a, of an emulation is when you play that one favorite game or the one favorite app that you always used to use. It's kind of like your your historical benchmark. But the FPGA approach is to be as authentic as possible, basically, is my understanding. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you're you're spot on. And and just for 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 the demographic, our our listenership, maybe we I don't need to explain this, but I I will go ahead and do that in terms of just to talk a little bit about what FPGA, you know, you know, stands for and what it actually is, and it's really a type of of integrated circuit that can be you know reconfigured uh, i guess like post like post manufacturing it can be reconfigured to uh, architect or to, to mimic or to to basically act you know in in a different architecture so you know in the context of emulation or simulation the f and fpga can be programmed to behave exactly like the original hardware of a gaming console or computer or arcade board etc replicating all of its sort of logic gates uh, and and circuits and whatnot so you know at at the hardware level um compared to uh compared to emulation uh, of course, w- w- uh, there's no need for any sort of software interpretation. Uh, like that's how emulators work: is they 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 are a layer of software that sits in between the hardware. And w- with the FPGA approach, this results in in a more direct and faster response um, to to inputs. You know, sig- significantly at least in theory, uh, reducing you know latency and whatnot. So the idea is that. You know the experience of FPGA should be much closer to the original hardware than what you know simulator. Sorry, emulators uh, on you know running typically on a PC. So, um, and and beyond you know just latency, the idea is that FPGA would offer a higher degree of of accuracy. The the games in theory run much closer. To how they did on actual original systems, including including the you know the glitches and the quirks and things like that that we expect um, that we might actually see. So 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 again, it's 
it's uh, it's really uh you know it, to me it's it represents almost a step between or it's that middle ground between our emulators and and original hardware just having you know this uh this this option yeah i, I guess the the closest example would be it's it's purpose built hardware for emulation purposes mm-hmm. uh i mean they don't seem to like that term because they're yes. simulating yeah. it but yeah but but yes. essentially <laughs> um like when we ha- when we talk about all these handhelds or a raspberry pi or even just a regular computer um yep. it, it's not built for that purpose whereas yep. this uh particular setup is specifically for uh, simulating these environments and um let's talk about like how does it work like when you turn this thing on Mm-hmm. what 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 happens mm-hmm. it's a very good question <laughs> so so you you fire up the mister so i'd never seen a mister i'd only heard about a mister through various podcasts and you know that that uh you know been connected with but it i i, I realized it was something it was actually around the time of my 50th birthday it was a couple of years ago that i got a hold of one of these things i figured i deserved one um, for, I, I, for, it seemed like a fitting 50th birthday gift for me to purchase for myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I hadn't tried, you know, I had, had no idea how it was, uh, how it worked. Actually, I'd only seen a few YouTube videos and things like that, but you fire it up, uh, you, you boot this thing up. You, you need to, I mean, this thing, the, the Mr. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the actual hardware and what it actually consists of again for the one, the 0.1% of anyone listening who doesn't know, <laughs> but I'm sure most of our listeners know, but, uh, I, I know I didn't know, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the hardware requirements were when I was interested in one. Um, I, I knew you could buy, you know, we'll get into that part of it. I don't want to get too far ahead, but when, when I fired it up, uh, for the first time, you're you're basically if you have your SD card like loaded and you have assuming you have your operating system uh, set up and, and all those sorts of things. I say operating system. You have your your Mister Software environment set up properly. Uh, you'll you'll go to a menu where you effectively can select from a list of different cores. It's uh, it's kind of an eight bit looking menu by default. I know you can customize all these things. It's it's highly customizable. Um, the UI runs on a form, I believe, like a Linux sort of uh, 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 foundation. Uh, so it, it's a very eight bitty with like almost like a static. Is almost as if you fired up your your parents' TV in your living room and you got a static uh, look of static uh, in the background uh, from the TV. And then a nice, uh, uh, you know, but simple menu pops up where you choose from. The, the type of core that you want to load, you have different options. You can choose uh, the cores are organized in terms of uh, computer cores or console cores or um, or individual like arcade cores. I believe that's how it's set up by default. And the thing is, it's amazing to me like how many um, different systems and um, consoles and and uh, older machines that this uh, that that the Mister supports you know personally you know what what got me so interested and 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 drew me to it uh to the mister is the fact that it's just so easy to to experience it makes it so easy for us to experience all of these like i'm more interested in the computers than i am in the consoles like just generally speaking because you know we've been able to emulate consoles and we have all kinds of things you know ways of doing that but you know, you get into like pretty deep into the the the, the computer consoles that that or the, sorry the the eight bit computer uh, rather that that you can uh, that you can experience. You know, everything from like the Coleco Atom to you know you're getting into like the TRS eighties and and all the uh, you know as what we consider to be the the UK based machines like the ZX Spectrum. There, there are so many machines like BBC Micro, um, Amstrad, CPC, and you can just experience these machines so easily. I, I know there are emulators out there for all of them, but the fact that this puts everything into that one context and 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 each core is so rich with configuration options and is is just like there's been so much thought put into all of these cores that it's it's really just amazing i mean i feel like i could spend the rest of my life experiencing them and the rest of my life babbling about them like i am right now so 
Well, and, and that's the interesting thing. And I guess what sep separates it from an emulator of some of those cores versus a simulation of it, because you have that more granular control. You can also simulate expansion modules and things like yes. that, that, that you that's wouldn't right. be able to easily do with an emulator um, because it's actually in hardware. And so that's the kind of the exciting part for me. Um, before we get any further though, let's just talk about the, the, the specific one that you got. Mm -hmm. Was it part of a Kickstarter? Was it, uh, is it a project that people can just buy today or is it something, yeah. uh, something else? And also how much did you pay for it? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, so I was, I was actually researching that today because so the, the core of the Mr. Uh, itself in terms of what the hardware consists of, it consists of a. Uh, of a an actual like a computer board, <laughs> if you will, um, for for lack of a you know better way to describe it, uh, which is the DE10 Nano, uh, is is the foundation for uh, for the for the Mister project. And so, if you have a DE10 Nano, you have like three quarters of what a Mister actually is. Um, the DE10 Nano has hardware ports, or sorry, uh, that's where your CPU is. Um, there's some RAM on board, uh, and you've got, um, like, I think a, probably a basic like video uh, output port uh, and things of that nature. But really, to have a proper Mr. setup, you need to add a couple of things onto that. You need to have um, some sort of a like a USB, uh, you need to have a USB hub board. I, well, I'd recommend having a USB hub board, which sort of attaches to it, which exposes a number of different uh, USB ports. And an I/O board, an input/output board, providing additional connectivity options like VGA output, um, analog or digital audio outputs. Uh, you can typically you choose between a digital I/O board or an analog I/O board. I choose an analog I/O board because I'm more of an analog guy than a digital guy in in life, like just in general. Um, but then you also want to have a uh, uh, a, a RAM expansion on top of that as well, which is really required to run like a lot of the sort of higher end type of cores. So at the end of it, like I, I actually contacted um, actually the the, uh, the uh, Amigos uh, re retro gaming guys. Uh, they have a, a great podcast, a family of podcasts, and they do a lot of great YouTube videos as well. Uh, they're part of uh, this community. They're fabulous guys. And uh, they did a video I back uh, in a number of years ago that talked about the minimum requirements, what's the cheapest way to get into the Mister, and it involved you know the D10 Nano, and then you know a USB hub, very basic type of a setup. Um, I decided to go for a higher end, uh, not higher end configuration, but to get a proper configuration where, I mean, if I'm, if the D10 Nano is the most expensive component and, you know, a little bit on top of that, just to do it right to me made a lot of sense. So the package that I bought consisted of the Nano board, the, an IO board, digital, uh, no analog, uh, IO board and the, the RAM expansion and the USB board. And it cost me, I look back today, and we're talking US dollars right now. And it was around roughly five in, in the $500 range for that package, uh, 500 US. And it looks to me like the, the cost of, so the cost of the D10 nano board has increased significantly over the last couple of years has increased due to the chip shortage and all that kind of stuff, supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually at a point now where if I was to buy the same package today, it's roughly about a hundred bucks more than I paid for it. So, so it's still not a cheap item, but it used to be, I think a couple of hundred bucks more than I paid for it. So I think the cost has come back down a, a little bit. So, so fairly, so I bought this from, there are a couple of, in terms of where to get these, these things from, I mean, you could source your components from different places and put it together yourself. And I actually looked into that option when I was, when I was, you know, hoping to, 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 to get one, but now uh, I would recommend going to comp, there's a mrattons.com is the place where I got mine from there are a couple of other places as well that put together these packages but it just makes a whole lot of sense to do it properly if you're going to invest in something like this 
because I consider it to be a bit of an investment. I think it's best to sort of do it right and to buy it from a source where you know you can get proper support. And, you know, I could have ordered some parts from AliExpress, some parts from here, some parts from there. But I felt, you know, I'm going to do this the right way and and get myself just get some confidence that you're going to have like a, a proper experience and that, that it's going to work, work as intended. Especially when you're spending that much money, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not a small, not a small investment. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, the the experience of, I guess, of uh, owning a Mister, and you know, like in terms of the 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 day to day life, what I like about or what I enjoy a lot about it is it's really. Uh, to me, it's just another computer in my office or in my, you know, my home office that that sits on your local network that you can power on. Um, you could keep it on if you want. You don't, you know, I, I I personally don't all the time, but it's accessible over your network. Um, you drop your 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 you your 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 ROMs right on the, the ROMs, of course, being the the images of the the games and software that you actually want to run on this thing, but the fact that it just exposes um, you know network shares um, that you can configure and uh, and be able to 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 administer right on your network. So you've got this you know this compute this this device that can simulate all these different computers, but it's sitting on your local network and it's there as a modern computing device. And there's something about that that just gives me the you know the warm fuzzies. <laughs> um it's very cool yeah 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 no it's uh it's 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 really uh you know it, so go ahead well i was gonna say when you turn it on and then you have to choose your like what system do you want to to simulate does yes. it then drop you to a new menu on that system or does it basically boot up like you literally just had like an atari 8-bit computer or a commodore 64 or whatever core you're choosing yeah, that's 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 a really good question it, it depends on the core um like the behavior like I'll, I'll speak more about the arcade cores or sorry the computer cores um so if i choose if i choose the c64 core from a menu or from the 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 navigation menu it'll basically just boot me right into a c64 blue screen familiar blue screen with a flashing cursor it just like turning on the machine itself and so what you can do uh, then is you can mount your media. Uh, there's a menu that's accessible through, you know, say one of the function keys, because you're going to have a keyboard attached to this. You're going to have, you can attach any number of different peripherals to, to this device through different expansions and things like that. But you choose your ROM, you, or, you, or you choose your, you mount your disk image um, through a function key. And then you can, basically, the idea is that the experience, I think anyway, you, when you choose a Mr. Core, uh, like a computer core specifically, uh, the idea is that the machine is just going to behave like the original hardware actually did. So in the case of the Atari, uh, the Atari 8-bit machines, when you choose the Atari 8-bit core, it takes you right to your, was it a ready prompt? Yeah. Is it a ready prompt? <laughs> so same. And then, so I, I then research, well, I put myself into the mindset of, well, how do I load, how do I load LoadRunner, right? On this thing, yeah. <laughs> how do I bring it in? How do I load a game? So, because I just want to test the, the the Atari Core. So you just mount the image, and then you the, the you put yourself into the mindset that what would I do if I actually had the real original hardware, right? You'd put your disc in, and then you'd apparently is it what's the function key on the Atari machine to boot it up? To tell me, John, what do I? How do I load? Is what what button? There's a there's a key on the keyboard I press right to load the game on the Atari eight bits. Well, you would, yeah, you would type um, load uh, and and you specify the, you know, is it a drive? Is it a cassette? What what have you? Um, The the thing is, my memory is a little fuzzy now too, because I've been using the FujiNet on my Atari and I just Mm. basically choose the thing I want and I press the option key on the physical option key that's on the keyboard or beside the keyboard. Uh, And then, then it basically reboots the, the hardware as if that disc was connected or that cassette or that cartridge or what have you was connected. So um, yeah. it's uh, it's pretty straightforward that way. But so so you, what you're saying is you get the, the original hardware experience when you choose that core 
and but you still have sort of like a, a digital way of injecting software into that core then yeah yes yeah like you exactly don't, you don't need to physically get uh, a floppy drive or anything like that to plug into this thing like I that's guess right you, i guess you could if you had the right adapters but um, that's right that's right that's a good so the way the the cores generally work is is each core um will will uh i guess what you would typically do is you've got a file system uh with, with on the mister itself and you'd place your roms in a corresponding folder you'd have named folders according to the system and you can really just browse the file system very easily um, so the idea is that you can very easily select the you know atari uh folder atari 8-bit folder choose your game mount the image and then either issue the command or hit the function key or whatever it is to actually boot into the boot into the game so you just really need to put yourself in the uh, the mindset I, i'm saying this to myself because <laughs> i'm i'm looking for like a fancy ui sometimes to select a game with my mouse or whatever right but yeah you i find you really put yourself into the position so i, I tried the zx spectrum core once well more than once i should say um to try you know for the first time you know the experience but then i actually have to go and google how did you load a game in the zx spectrum how did it what's the command to actually do this right because you don't just get to pick it doesn't start automatically um maybe there's a deep option that would but i mean it to me it really feels like that traditional experience and that's probably what i love the most about the device like like let's face it we've talked about this on several of our podcasts there there are so many ways you've got the debate of original hardware versus emulation slash simulation, whatever you want to call it. But, and I personally still prefer the original hardware. Like I still like, there's something about that, but the thing is I, I can't, I don't have room for like a billion different computer or the budget to, to acquire all these computers, right? The fact that, you know, you can have all this under one roof with, you know, it's an experience that, you know, every single core has been, developed by folks who know these systems very well and and i know there are emulators for all these things too but this puts everything it gives you just a single context and a single environment in order to to experience it and um and that's what i love about it so when you're experiencing say the commodore 64 core mm -hmm. have is there anything that you experienced on the mister that is consistent with the original hardware that you don't see with the emulation mm -hmm. versions like it, it, i might you might not have an answer on the tip of your tongue but you know i i i, I believe that um what well, no I, what i don't get is <laughs> no it's funny you, you asked that question because i'm not a purist like pure purist when it comes to see like feed, you know that being that intimately sort of you know aware uh, of of things if i fire up a game um you know I, I i'm not such a good video game player that i don't necessarily notice all the, the little differences but what I, what i do know is that you know you can or there are interfaces to this isn't actually answering your question directly when when you when you mentioned that question I thought about the drive head clicking on my uh, 1541 disk drive on my, you know, my Commodore 64 um, to show the the copy protection on the floppy disk right. loading the images, right? But you can actually, uh, there are interfaces to, and I'm not going to get into all the, the deep hardware options uh, for, for interface options, but you can actually interface uh, an original Commodore 1541 drive to the mister and you could get that original disc experience so like anyway the point is i you know i'm sure that um i i believe that the experience is more in genuine uh or, or properly uh properly genuine compared to emulation i couldn't tell you uh personally or give a lot of first-hand accounts of it so but yeah that's uh that's a good question for sure let let's let's uh Let's, uh, let's, you know, Rob O'Hara, um, podcast, uh, legend, he, uh, mentioned, uh, when he booted up the, uh, I think he said when he's talking about the mister, when he booted up the Donkey Kong core for the very first time, 
that it brought tears to his eyes because it brought him right back to the original experience. But he was, you know, tongue in cheek kind of a comment, right? Because right. we all, we, we all, I think, I think for me personally, anyway, I'm just, I'm bought into the fact that it is going to be that genuine experience and, and, you know, and it is what it is at that point. And I, and I really do believe it is. So. Yeah. I, I think you'd have to really be very into a specific system or console to really know those nuances. But I think what's interesting about the Mister is that it's it's a hardware emulator. Uh, it's not a software emulator. It's it's a hardware emulator, simulator, whatever. <laughs> Don't come for me. Um, but but essentially, it's doing a similar task, but at a hardware level. So that's you know it. It it can only be as good as the simulation is, and and how well it's it's coded and created and all that kind of stuff. But generally, I would imagine it's based off of the actual physical hardware. So um, there's logic behind that that would be built in there, and and yes, people would know right away if it doesn't play load on it the same way that you expect it to on on a yes. specific platform. Yeah, and I mean each each core has like a community behind it who cares passionately about it. I yeah. mean, and it's one of the best ways to experience, in my opinion, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these systems, um, just to, you know, just touch on some of the cores that I personally, you know, really enjoy. And I think are some of the, the reasons, uh, why I love this, uh, this thing, uh, the Amiga core, which is called mini MIG, uh, it, it emulates the, the Amiga machine where I never, I, never experienced an Amiga when I was younger. I don't think you did, or maybe no. well, yeah, you had the video toaster, some video toaster experience maybe with the Amiga. Yeah. I, but nothing that I owned and, right. and, and obsessed over. Yes. Yes. But you've got like the full desktop, like Amiga experience um, and the ability to do all kinds of, you know, just to, it's just a really authentic sort of an experience as far as uh, experiencing the Amiga a core that recently, uh, one of the more recent cores, which is one of the considered to be a fairly impressive technical achievement on the on the Mister, is the PlayStation Core, the original PlayStation. Uh, it's it it's probably it's it's been it's 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 probably considered to be a mature core at this point. But when I first got my Mister, it was in early early beta, so I watched the experience of it being developed and enhanced, and people testing different games. So you got to really see like how um the just to get a feel for what it was like to 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 have that core evolve and it's now mature and it you know as you know i mean these images right like the game images for these uh games will range from a couple of k on the say at old 8-bit machines to like you know a couple hundred megabytes for you know, we're talking about CD-ROM images, say for the PlayStation games. But the beautiful thing about it is you can have your your images mounted on your like a local network file share, and you can map the Mister to be able to load the game images over the network that way. So, and with no, because it uses like I've got a hardwired connection. Uh, it uh, it it's a really nice way to be able to not you know have to put all that content right on the device but just to so it's pretty cool I, I thought that was a pretty pretty neat experience so the playstation core is is pretty impressive um and then another core that is does a really good job of emulating say a 486 era pc is the ao 486 core and there are is, is a fairly substantial community around that and it's a really great way to run say like windows i think it'll probably run windows 95 but you know you're running like windows era games like quite quite nicely so it's a it's a pretty good experience there as well might have to try golden tea golf on that that's right yes <laughs> when it's right it's when you're fake or let's see remember that uh windows pinball game the window did it come with windows 95 that was a good one too yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, you know, just to, 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 we're not even touching on or the, the, the vastness of the different cores that, that are available, but uh, maybe just to talk a little bit about, you know, the, 
to where things are going um, with the mister, like moving forward. Um, there recently, there's a core under development for the Nintendo 64. So nobody thought the Nintendo 64 that the mister could actually handle uh, the Nintendo 64. They would just push the limits of the hardware too much and it would just be, you know, not possible. So there's a developer who um, did some, I'm just sort of paraphrasing, uh, but did, proved the fact that this was actually going to be possible. And now there's a Nintendo 64 core that's partially developed and it's actually making amazing progress. So we're going to have a working N64 uh you know, experience on the Mister pretty soon, and and I think that I don't know how where can we go beyond the N sixty four, but it's pretty it's pretty exciting um, to, to to see that development. And it, to me, it just shows like the spirit of the community and the fact that there's you know people aren't making get, getting rich off of doing this stuff, um, but just being able to create the experience, uh, you know, for us to be able to. Um, you know, have an FPGA based method of, of, you know, experiencing, you know, the N64 and, and all these other machines. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. So that's an example of an upcoming core. And, and just to backtrack a little bit, a few months back, there was a Commodore 128 core that was just developed. And to me, and it would just sort of seem to come out of nowhere. Um, you had your Commodore 64 core, your VIC-20 core, but now all of a sudden there's a Commodore 128 core that just kind of showed up. And I haven't even devoted the amount of time I need to do to, to be able to spend. So all this, you know, babbling and stuff has made me want to go back and spend some more time with the Mister. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that there's going to be like a Mr. V2 or something like that that has more capabilities so we can, we can go beyond the N64 and maybe do something newer? There's no, when there's I, no when doubt I, about it. When I yeah. say newer, I mean, I, I still mean in the retro realm, but yes. um, yeah. It, it, yeah. as as we progress though from, from that era, things got a lot more complicated in the hardware. So uh, simulating that stuff can be very tricky and yeah I, I imagine that's also when we probably started getting into some very uh proprietary uh chips and stuff like that that weren't just off the shelf conglomerations of a whole bunch of ics mm -hmm. uh it, right. it was it, here's the right. the nintendo yeah uh, chip and and those types of things right that they would have developed yeah, th there's no doubt that the Mister is going to reach the end of its sort of scope in terms of what it can do. Uh, you're going to want to eventually simulate the, the PlayStation 2 or, you know, the Nintendo Wii and all those sets of things. You got to think that we're just going to be heading there eventually. So there are more capable FPGA uh, chips and boards and all that 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 are there are other i i sense in the community that the mr project has spawned i think an interest or a, a hunger to 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 see this concept applied on other platforms in other words to keep it to keep it going so there's no mm -hmm. doubt about it that that my mr is going to be out of date is this is what you're telling me basically is <laughs> it's well, going to be out of date pretty soon too <laughs> that's only if you want to run something newer Right. Exactly. It's it's still gonna work with the, the cores that you care about. And yeah. presumably those will just get better over time. Um yes. but it, to me it's interesting too because like in a previous episode we talked about the Atari uh twenty six hundred plus that's coming mm -hmm. and how a lot of the people in the uh community were really hoping that the Atari company was gonna use an FPGA type source to actually simulate the original hardware as opposed to emulating the original hardware, which is what it's doing using a, a rock chipset, And that's, you know, very common in these, uh, right. hand, handheld and, and sort of, um, docked consoles that you can get from AliExpress and other places. Yes. Yeah. So about, I, I imagine, and again, <laughs> the people that are way smarter than I am are going to correct me, but I imagine if they did go the FPGA route, it would be a heck of a lot more expensive. Um, yeah. to, 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 for these things i mean that's what every the community says is is this going to be fpga or is it emulation of course i mean it's a valid yeah. question you and yeah. i both wanted to know that too right away but yeah. at this price point 
Um, I don't, I think it's difficult, but I, I mean, obviously with FPGA, you'd probably get, you know, compatibility, you'd get, you know, presumably get compatibility with everything, like, as opposed yeah. to um, not, you know, having all, you know, those limitations that we talked about in the 2600 plus episode, but, but I, yeah, you know, and, and again, we talked in a previous episode about the Atari 800XL um, remake that may or may not actually ever come to life, right? I remember mm -hmm. that a few months ago. And the big question there is, is this going to be FPGA based or not? And But I hope, though, that over time, it, it that, you know, the cost of these things is going to come down and that you're going to see FPGA, you know, more and more in, in, you know, in more applications. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing FPGA used for, you know, things like re recreating like a, uh, like a, a SID chip on like a Commodore 64, for example, and things mm -hmm. like that, right? Or like, so, so to be able to re basically simulate or recreate, I don't know, that, that chip, you know, at, at, and hopefully over time at a lower cost than actually having to, you know, build proprietary individual chips. I mean, I think the future is bright probably for the FPGA concept overall. Yeah. And maybe the Mr. Project is really like, it's, I quite frankly, I mean, never really heard of FPGA before the, before the, <laughs> the, the Mr. Project. It's what brought it to my attention. So, well, it's interesting because FPGA is, is getting more and more common in, in, um, this, the music world for synthesizers mm -hmm. to cool. to simulate some vintage sounds uh, mm -hmm. with chips that aren't being made anymore. Thus, that, that kind of thing. So um, that's where I first heard of it, even before the Mister. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was interesting. Um, the other interesting thing I came across uh, not too recent or fairly recently was the fact that they actually make an adapter for the Mister for the JAMA arcade machine. I yes. told you about. So you yes. can actually plug your mister into an arcade machine and have like a very, very capable uh, simulation of those certain boards and, and, and other, and presumably yes. if you, if you have access to a wireless keyboard, you could still go in and play consoles on that yes. arcade machine as well as the, uh, uh, the computers. You know, I, it's this, this, you know, the Mister itself is so versatile. It's not just another like emulation box, right? It yeah, it's not it, a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, exactly. There's 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 so much more to it. Um, one thing I wanted to also mention is about uh, latency and like I/O and things like that. Again, I'm like no expert <laughs> in this regard at all, but um, the. Uh, there is uh, the ability to, uh, or these interfaces rather, uh, to be able to connect original game controllers um, and peripherals like directly to the Mister um, to get low latency input. So to take your original N N64, you know NES controller, um, and connect it direct. So there are, uh, as I said, adapters that uh, there's something called a snack adapter uh, that allows us to do that. Something called a blister board which allows us to do that and um, to connect the original controllers as closely to the original, to the hardware itself, bypassing, I think the USB connector, like the USB is going to connection is going to add latency. It's going to add, you know, depending on the controller that you have, depending on, you know, you know, number of different factors, but I'll be honest, I've never felt it to be like an issue, like a major issue, but right. I think, you know, it gives you, it brings you that much closer to, you know, that, original authentic experience i mean one thing i do agree with is using original controllers as much as possible makes makes all the difference in the world i'm sure you and i've talked about this a bazillion times already but so at relatively low cost you can add you know those add. Uh, i mean you're already in for you know in canadian dollars uh a right we're in for like you know Quick, it's very fairly a big chunk of change. So, um, to add these adapters uh, and things like that to get the original, if you have the original controllers, I guess it 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 it, it it'll get you there. So, but that, but I get, yeah, I was gonna say as far as cost goes, mm -hmm. if there's if there's one or two key, say, eight bit computer cores that you're interested in. That yeah. cost isn't ridiculous. I mean, what we're seeing nowadays is that if you wanted to buy those, that original hardware, assuming it was still working, you're still into hundreds of dollars just for yes. you know, the, the thing. And then you still need to buy other things to, to go with it. Yeah. And, and and like we've talked previously, like I had to, or I bought 
a modern power supply for my Atari and yeah, that's uh, right. that, 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 those types of things. And mm -hmm. so when you when you compare, I mean, it always depends if you're into being a purist with this type of stuff and you want that yeah. that original hardware that you had when you were a kid or whatever. And um, but I also think it's a great way to experience truly how it how it was on that hardware if you've never experienced it like we've talked about on the on the show is how you and i really didn't have a much experience with some of the the european computer systems that were very popular and and we can do it in emulation but we don't know what we don't know whereas with the mister you get to experience it exactly how it was yeah at, at least we have to believe in that. <laughs> well, I, I think that's the goal. And so I, I think the people behind the project are probably yep. pretty passionate about making it that yep. that way. Uh, and and uh, someone would certainly call them out. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't play Load Owner the way I used to play it. So mm -hmm. we've got to fix yes. something. Well, and, and, and you'd like to think that the legacy of this project too is that, you know, in the future, like this in a way is almost like preserving in software, like some, some things that only originated in hardware before, like mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, you can probably apply the, the, you know, the, the code that's being written for the mm -hmm. Mr. Project to other hardware down the road at some point, because yeah. it's, so, I mean, there's gotta be some, some, well, a ton of value there. Well, and, you mentioned, you mentioned before sort of my history with, with MAME and, and, and stuff like that, like 20 mm -hmm. plus years ago back in those days, the hardest thing was for them to figure out how to simulate a certain chip that's on an arcade board mm -hmm. that isn't used in anything else that no one actually had access to. So mm -hmm. they had to make some, some, uh, some, some, some leaps of faith as far as we think this is how it was done and, right. and, and connect some dots. And then eventually they were able to get their hands on those, those things. But in a lot of ways, it's almost like an archivist. It's right. an archival right. version of that hardware, not right. just not right. just the software that ran it. Yeah, and that, that and that to me is the real the real value of this. I mean, the fact that I mean, I, th this concept is going to be around. You know, I think for for a long time, uh, being able to do these types of things, and just the fact that I have the ability to do all these things to run all these machines. I mean, I could spend an entire afternoon. You know, playing with the BBC Micro, uh, you know, <laughs> experience, and and you know, just you know, obviously as one, and there are hundreds of others um, that I could do the same with, and and just the fact that we can do this and that we're preserving it. I mean, it can be used as a teaching tool um, to to teach to teach you know young kids basic computer instructions and things like that, um, and just to be to pre preserving the history of the, these machines. I mean, there's just so much. Uh, there's so much there that uh i i think that like pretty much not pretty much everyone but most of the people that are hardcore into the the the, the retro sort of scene have one of these well, i would say most i would say like a lot a lot of folks do it's 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 a tool like to me that says an awful lot the fact that so many people um, use these and they um, have a lot of different use cases, a lot of situations where it's the best way, or it's almost like a, almost like a benchmark way of, of, of being able to, you know, play back a particular game. It's always there. You're it's always, it's part of the arsenal. So, um, so I, it just speaks to, I mean, it's just a, I feel very grateful that the project exists in the first place and I need to spend more time with my mister maybe too at the end of the day. Well, that's always the problem. We never have enough time, does it? <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, at least. Or the thing I thought about recently was the fact that I'm spending the same amount of time now as I used to when I was a kid mm -hmm. playing with this stuff. But, but mm -hmm. back when I was a kid, I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have life, <laughs> a fiance, other th commitments to deal with. I was just a kid in my bedroom playing with my Atari. And... <laughs> And I'm basically oh. reliving that that nostalgia. No, yeah. you're living your best life. That sounds like though overall, <laughs> though you're still spending, you know. But I'm I'm in the same boat as you, um, in in the sense that uh, I'm spending as much time with the hobby as I ever did. I think it's it, to some degree, but yeah. Um, but I think it's a good way to spend our time overall. <laughs> our spare our our quote spare time. Well, it's, you know, it's old computers, it's old cars, it's old, whatever, 
everybody has exactly. their thing. So yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll start to wrap things up, but um, this past week there was kind of a big bombshell that, that happened mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and it, it's, I'm going to say it's controversial what happened this week where the Atari.com Atari corporation uh, purchased Atari age, the website and all its entities and properties and things like that, which has really become, well, my understanding of it, there's, there's sort of two sides to it. One is that it's this enormously huge community for people like us that uh, appreciate anything Atari. doesn't matter if it's a computer or a console, uh, specific games, learning how to program, all that stuff. Their forums are just massive and deep and filled with mm-hmm. really smart people that are doing really cool stuff. But then they also were a publisher and they published a lot of the homebrew games uh, and gave them a much bigger audience than than they those people would have on their own. And yes. so the 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 controversy is the fact that uh, and and this was sort of seen coming for a little while because they had stopped selling things on the Atari age store that were homebrew related and and all yeah. these other things. So these, the, the, basically the su- supply was drying up and people were like, well, what's going on? What's going on? And I mean, I don't know the, the owners of, of either of these entities. Um, uh, all I do know is that the Atari company that uh, we know today, and we've talked about many times is not the same Atari company that, you know, started this, path for uh, for a lot of us yeah. uh with Nolan Bushnell and, and company um back in back in the, the late 70s or early 80s. Um and it's changed hands a bunch a bunch of times, but it sounds like they're really making a big push uh to to get back into this stuff. And you know, we talked about on the last episode about the 2600 plus coming out and it being a big deal um or not uh for some people depending on that. And my my first take when I was, I, I follow a number of places that that talk about retro gaming and retro computing, not just Atari age. And the general consensus was the community to me at least seems split. Part of it thinks that well maybe this will invigorate the community. Mm-hmm. It'll 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 inject some new uh, new blood or new money or both into the community, so we'll start seeing more things. Or it'll be, you know, the the downfall of these things because maybe that property wasn't worth as much money as the Atari company thought, uh, or their the market isn't as big as they thought, and some of these things that they they've been working on are going to fall flat, or they won't. Um, it's one of those things that you know we have to sort of take a wait and see approach. But um, it's always interesting when the big guy starts buying up the little guy. Um, and swallowing it up, uh, which is sort of my take on this, because Atari Age seems to be a fairly small uh, group of passionate people. It might be one person. I'm, just, I'm still trying to figure this all out. Um, yeah. And I'm not as close to it as I would have liked to have been uh, recently. So um, uh, I, I'm sure someone yeah. will correct us on that. Or, or you know, <laughs> my understanding is that there's someone named Albert that was sort of like the main yeah, the person the main, behind uh, Atari age. Yeah. And, uh, and so the big questions are, well, what's in the future for him? How is he going to be involved and in all this kind of stuff? And um, well, so, but the other, the other interesting thing that someone, cause I've, I've read a lot of comments about this and, you know, people are like, Oh no, this is going to be awful, but they yeah. don't really know why. They just yes. think it's, you know, big corporate right. greed or something like that. But I don't get the sense that the Atari Corp is a big greedy thing. Uh, yeah. You know, they're just trying to give people what they want, but they're trying to figure out what people want. And it's not the, the, to me, the, the hardcore people are the edge cases, the people that really want, you know, the FPGA version of the, the, uh, the 2600, for example, they're willing to pay whatever it costs to get it at that the reality is, is like if the company wants to make any kind of volume sales of this thing, it can't cost a thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they already did that with the VCS and, and I don't know how popular that system is. I mean, it, but it's essentially, it's a steam deck in a box, right? Like it's, it's a gaming PC uh, in, in a box that you can plug into your TV. And yeah. Yeah. I've thought about buying one many times. Um, 
but I still haven't because I just, uh, the problem we have now is that we just have so many different ways to consume <laughs> this content. That's right. Uh, you know, um, and, and part of me wants to have this collector mentality. I'm not into, I'm not a person that collects like every single box and manual and all that kind of stuff. And, and those people exist and they love it. And it's all about that having a complete collection and, you know, you got a Pokemon it, right? Like you gotta, <laughs> gotta collect them all. But then there's people like me, like I want to collect them all, but I want a folder of the ROMs. And so yes, that I can try those things. But even, even still, and I keep doing this every time I get a new console or handheld or, or an emulator, I want to get all the ROMs, every ROM possible for it. And there's not enough time in my life left to play them all. Yeah. But you want to sort of try the cream of the crop. You want to f- find that new thing that that sparked joy when you were a kid when you plugged in that cartridge for the first time. And and I think that's what a lot of us are chasing is trying to get this this vibe. And and definitely, you know, having something like the 2600 at Walmart from Atari, not from yeah. at games and not from another, you know, yeah. company uh, like the flashbacks and the I think it's my arcade is another company that licenses the Atari brand and stuff like that. And then you also got the arcade one up stuff. Although I will say arcade one up just came up with the Atari 50th anniversary arcade machine. that looks okay. Magical. I didn't know that. I'd like to see that. It's so, it, it, it looks really good. Yeah. Um, that's tempting. Uh, do you, I, I haven't even seen it, but I'm tempted by it. So, yeah. you know, just to share some thoughts about, you know, this is uh that's you great great there, we're, we're, we've got a lot to cover here i think on this topic i think that it reminds me of when <laughs> i'm trying to think of acquisitions like that yeah. i can relate <laughs> i don't this isn't the perfect example by any stretch when microsoft bought linkedin okay yeah <laughs> remember that i remember thinking yeah. to myself why like but because i'm not smart enough to know why but they had a plan right yeah. They obviously had a plan. And and now, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm not smart enough to, I mean, you could sort of guess as to how this would work potentially for them. But I guess what I would ask the Atari company is like, what's your plan for Atari age? Like, what is the, you know, what's your goal? Like, how do you see this, like helping your business and whatnot? And, and, and again, we could speculate and, and guess on that, but the, I think, the it's natural for the folks like the so i'm actually a very new person to atari age in fact i don't even think i have an account i think i've but but i've always i've i've come into the site like experienced the site you know organically like many times over over the last few years and it really feels like it is the authoritative like community for atari like fans mm-hmm. and atari yeah. people and like the the authority of of record almost in terms of you know new releases or if you want to get an opinion about anything that's happening in the Atari world it seems like it's the place the place to go right like it's yeah. and and so, a lot of a lot of the the key people that made i guess Atari what it is the various you know game developers and programmers and stuff like that, they're all actively in that, those communities as yeah. well which is really yes. awesome to see it's like meeting your heroes almost yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my take on the whole acquisition is that I, I want to be cautiously optimistic that they have a plan. Like I, 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 I believe, I feel that they are doing the Atari company in whatever, you know, shape or form that it takes these days, that they're genuinely making a push to, to like on this, like, I feel like they're all in yeah. on preserving the brand and, and, you know, obviously they're trying to make money, but I think like, like there's so much value in equity. Like, I mean, the fact that we've stuck through it all these years too, because there have been <laughs> lots of highs and lows, mm-hmm. the fact that we want this thing, like we want this, this, like, the, like I got excited when I realized that this is the quote Atari company remaking the Atari 2600. And yeah. like, like we just want this to, to survive. Like if, if this acquisition is what it takes, like if they have a good plan in place, like whether it's just to, like to, to connect with this, like the homebrew community or, or the really a lot of new games are coming out and released through that Atari age platform, or I think pretty much probably every commercial Atari 2600 game that's coming out these days is coming out through that, that platform. I, I, I don't know if that's true, but 
the a lot of them are for sure and it's not just the 2600 it's it's the computers as well right I, and, and, I, and and other consoles and you should have you know and i feel like you know i feel bad for not mentioning all the other because hopefully that what what will happen here and it's and it's funny i i even i'm i'm guilty of being biased towards the 2600 because it's the the atari you know experience that i had when i was a kid but mm -hmm. you've got the computers it feels like atari sort of doesn't even think about the the computers like the 8-bit computers uh mm -hmm. themselves or the atari st um and any number of other <laughs> it's really about the 2600 and and seemingly the uh, 7800 <laughs> like yeah the, these days so so i mean Again, I'd love to know what their business plan is. I mean, the fact that the founder of Atari Age seems to, and I didn't read the entire 89,000 pages of the thread <laughs> that yeah. talked about this, but I read a lot of it like you did. And yeah. it seems to me like like this like the, this guy, right? The single guy um, who's been running this thing, if he's willing, like he's clearly got like a lifelong investment in this or like a pretty big com commitment or investment in Atari age. And he's been doing this thing forever. He created it. It's his baby. Like clearly, like, like I, I just, I, I'm kind of naive that I believe everyone has good intentions. <laughs> and I think, I think that like, like clearly someone who's been committed to it like that is cares deeply about it. And I would like to think that they made this decision like for for a lot of good reasons and that there is a plan behind it like like and yeah. that it will continue and that it will prosper and and i you know i'm going to be on the side of things that says that i think it's gonna like you know what like i'd rather see this happen than just see everything just sort of die right like well yeah no exactly i guess the question is and, and i haven't read anything at, to, at this point and it, this is still fairly fairly new when we're recording this um mm -hmm. whether or not like was he just looking to retire and sell it all yeah. and, and yeah. go live on an island? I also don't yeah. know if he probably didn't get a bajillion dollars for yeah. Atari age either, right? Like it's not yeah. it's not this huge profit center like Fortnite or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's mm -hmm. so so there's there's definitely I think I think you put it well, the cautiously optimistic. Like I'm I'm hoping that this will lead to more better good stuff, right? Yeah. Um yeah. And, uh, and at least that's my hope, um, whether that happens or not to be determined yeah. and it's too yeah. early. And, and the thing is Atari has been doing a number of things like this in partnerships with, with certain companies that have been in the, the Atari space for a while and whether that's them just trying to like, uh, recombobulate themselves into, you know, their former, sh uh, company, whereas, you know, they they've been uh the company itself has basically just been a brand name been been bought and sold yeah uh and with with all the ip that goes with that and this again cautiously optimistic that this is just them trying to to bring in the community bring in all the people that care about this stuff and and on the one hand make those people happy but also maybe find new audiences with some new products that you know the the funny thing is is that you know, not every kid wants to play Call of Duty. Some of them really love these old retro systems. Yeah. And so um, so it'd be interesting to see if, you know, like a Disney movie that has a second life with a new generation, right. uh, is this what we're going to start to see if it's handled well, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be curated. It has to be done properly. If it's yep. just done out of corporate greed, it's not going to work. It's not going to it's not even going to uh, succeed. It's going to fail. So, but I well, think fing fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. yeah. I I'm optimistic. Um, to tie a button in this, uh, I will mention though that on uh, Amazon.ca for me mm -hmm. for us in Canada, they now have the 2600 plus available for pre-order. So I did it there instead of through Atari.com, mm -hmm. just because if it turns out that it's awful i can still return it very easily yeah, exactly um, and and actually the exchange with the exchange rate i mean i didn't atari had a there was a discount code on the atari site right the, there the, there was okay. and i i haven't found I, all i found is the control the 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 regular joystick controllers i haven't found the paddle controller option yet on amazon oh, wait, on amazon yeah. yeah yeah which is arguably what i'm more interested in but yeah you're right the exchange rate i think it was 129 
uh, US or 149 Canadian, which is yeah. really it's favorable to us. It usually doesn't work out that way for us uh, Canadians up here. Right? No, not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's keep our uh, ears and eyes. I, what I hope that this all comes down to is that I can buy that Atari 2600 load runner cartridge for less than like 89 bucks or whatever it costs. <laughs> because I'm sorry, I can't. I can't justify it. I can't. It's 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 just it's not it's not affordable. Yeah. I want it though. <laughs> yeah. All right. With that, I think we'll wrap it up and uh, we'll put a button in this episode of the 8-bit files um if you enjoyed this podcast make sure you follow us on our socials to get show updates and a lot more although we've been a little lax in that department because we're just doing this off the side of our desks <laughs> we can be found cool. at the 8-bit files on twitter slash x instagram youtube and our website the 8bitfiles.com thanks john and uh of course drop us an email uh, we'd love to hear any feedback uh, at any time uh, at uh, the eight bit files at gmail.com, the eight bit files at gmail.com. Uh, we'd uh, love to get your feedback. So, again, uh, with that, uh, John, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I'm Dave. And I'm John. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>